Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Is this is this up too high? Okay. All right, very good. It sounds awfully loud from up here. So, praise God we're here. Last Sabbath, Brother Albert here had a very fine, um, we had a very fine study in the scriptures about the contrast between Satan's character and God's character, how Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and God himself is, I don't condemn you. The contrast between the two is, is so varied that it's hard to, I, I, it's hard for me to understand why sometimes I'm muddy about it, because they're so diametrically opposed to each other. And this morning, the lesson was about worship. Who do we worship? Who do we see? Do we see God how he is? How we see God affects how we worship him. And one of the ways that Satan tries to get us tripped up tries to get us in his grasp and keep us in his grasp is one of the ways. This is only one, mind you. There's, you know, the Bible is full of ways that the devil tries to trip us up. But one of the ways that the devil tries to trip us up is giving and feeding us propaganda about the character of God and lies about who God really is. And this morning, I would like to share some scriptures that have helped remove some darkness that I've had in my heart toward God. And when we ask, like the brother here said, you know, show me the way. And when we ask God, show me any wicked way in me, he is faithful and just to show us where we believe lies about his character that are keeping us from true worship, from true loyalty, keeping us in fear and bondage, as in Hebrews, as it says. And so this morning, I would like to share some scriptures and some ideas and thoughts about God and who he really is, and I pray that we will see God just a little bit more clearly after we study his word this morning. Let's have a word of prayer, though. Dear Father, we just want to thank you that we have the privilege to be your children. And you have given us a high calling as your children, and that is to share your love with others. But Father, when we have darkened pictures of your love, there's a pretty high probability that we're not going to get it right. And I just ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide our hearts and our minds this morning that we will see a little more clearly just how much you love us. And I just thank you that your Holy Spirit will be here to guide us and that our hearts will be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as you see in the bulletin, the title of this is Same Presence, Presence, 
different results. And if you're wondering what that means, you can look in your bulletin. But the presence of God. Okay, here are some texts. Now, I have a lot of texts, so we're not going to go to all of them. I've, I've selected a few, but as you can see, I have pages of, of texts. And if you want to do further studying, you can, as Sister was saying this morning, we need to to learn more about who God is. And the way to learn more about who God is is to look into his word. Okay, so I'm going to give you some different views of how or how the presence of God reacts differently upon different people. You can turn to Isaiah 25, 9. Isaiah 25, 9. And it will be said in that day, Behold, or lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. What picture do you have here? These people are waiting. What else? Right? We have waited for him and he will what? We will be and so these people are they're happy. They're praising. They're happy. Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. He's come. Yay! Right? Revelation 6.16 Okay, Revelation 6, 15 and 16. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Now, What's happening with these people? They're terrified. Okay, the, we don't have time to go into the proofing that these are the two same events here, the second coming of Christ. But what's happening with one group of people? What's happening with the other people? Let's go to Revelation 5.13. Oh, sorry, 5.12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Oh, sorry about that. 11. Then I looked and I heard in the voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, what are these people doing? What are these beings doing? They're praising God too. Are they afraid? Okay. So, the question I have, 
Why is this? Why is it that one group of people is so happy, the other group of people is so afraid, they're calling for the mountains and everything to fall on them and crush their lives? What kind of picture does this give you of God? Good cop, bad cop? What kind of picture does this give you of God? How do we explain this kind of picture? If we're supposed to be giving the light to the world, which, praise God, we are, what is the light? What is the light? God and his character, his character of love. What about this picture? Okay, is God so fickle that some of us he treats nice if we do what he says? And others of us, if we don't do what he says, he says, is that it? No, that's not it. Well, let's see what the Bible does say about what God thinks about the death of the wicked, okay? Ezekiel 18, and we know these verses. They just, it's good to put them together sometimes. Ezekiel 18. 23. And I'm not going to read all of these because I have a whole bunch of them. Like I said before. Okay, 18.23. Do I have any, what does that word say? At all that the wicked should what? No. Does God have any pleasure at all that, the, that, that these people are in this situation? No, he has no pleasure. He says, and not that he should turn. Well, I'm not going to go to that part there because that's different. So what does God think about the death of the wicked? What's that? It breaks his heart. And in Peter, what was in the class today, 2 Peter 3, 9, said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but long-suffering, because he is not willing that how many should perish? Any should perish, but that how much should come to repentance? All should come to repentance. How many? All. All. Okay, so a very short, short amount of text, but you get the point. God is not happy that this situation is happening where people are calling for the rocks to come on them, right? Would you agree with that? No, he's not happy with that. Okay, so since he's not happy with that, then why is it happening? Obedience and disobedience. What is it? Well, you're right. But what is it about disobedience that causes that? Is it because, you know, like sometimes when you were a kid, you were disobedient, and your parents said, you're disobedient, and I said so, and so I'm going to spank you. Is that God's point of view about this whole situation? No, it's not God's point of view. Let's see why obedience and disobedience makes a difference. Way back in the beginning of time, we know this story well. In Genesis 3, we have to go back to the beginning because that's where it starts. This is where the change takes place.
place. And as the scriptures say, when one man sinned, it happened to everybody. The whole universe is affected by it for all. Okay, after that. So let's go. In the spirit of prophecy and in the scriptures, Adam and Eve, before sin, what did they do with God? Face-to-face communication. Was it any big deal? No big deal. Why? Why? Because they weren't smoking. Because they wore the right clothes. Because they went to church. Why? Why was this... Why could they commune face-to-face with God? Right, but why didn't they have sin in their lives? It was before they sinned. Before they sinned, did they trust what God said? Did they believe every word that came out of his mouth before sin? They did, didn't they? There was no problem whatsoever. None. They... Go ahead. We would. Yes. There was no problem before they made that. Yeah. Because they trusted God and they believed Him. But there came a time, as we know, something happened. They walked over there by that tree. Now, walking over by the tree wasn't the thing in and of itself, but it got them over there to that spot. You know, if you pick up a pack of cigarettes, you're not smoking it, but it gets you that much closer to doing it. If you pick up your fifth piece of pie, or your second piece of pie, when you know you should only have one piece of pie, or after today, sugar, probably no pieces of pie, then, and you pick it up, okay, you picked it up, you haven't eaten it yet, but it got you that one step closer to doing the thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. Anyway, so somehow they got over there, and then we know Satan came. Now, let's turn to chapter 3 of Genesis. Verse 1. And I want you to listen carefully to what the devil is saying. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You should not eat of every tree of the garden? What is he implying right there, right then, to the mind of Eve? Doubt. Doubt. Has God said? Did he really say that? Are you sure that's what he said? Hmm, Maybe he really, maybe you heard him wrong. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit, and she, you know, tries to reason with the guy. Oh boy, have I ever done that once or twice? But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Okay, well, she stepped out of bounds because she said something God never said. Lest you die. 
And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely, what? What had God said, which we didn't go in the beginning, but what had God said was going to happen? Okay, now the first one, he just slipped in a little bit of what? Doubt. And this one was out and out what? Out and out lie. He says what? God is just lying to you. You cannot believe what that guy says. He's just in it for himself. He's just trying, as you can see in the next, he says for. He's lying to you because, because he knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened. And he's withholding something from you. He's just keeping this tree from you because he's trying to keep you from the goods. Well, praise God he's trying to keep us from the goods because the devil's goods are death for crying out loud. But they didn't, you know. So Eve, she listens to him and he, he says, For God knows that in the day you eat it, you will be like God, knowing what? Good and what? Oh boy, I want to know evil. Well, that's how we act sometimes, I'm sorry. So, and then she listens to this, Satan telling her lies about God's character, and then she looks at the tree, and then she thinks, well, you know what? It looks like it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eye. And he says that the tree will make you wise, like God. We want to be like God. Don't we want to be like God? From the very beginning of time here, even before this, we wouldn't have time to get into that, what is Satan doing to the character of God? He's wanting... The person said, somebody said out there to be like, to give the attributes of Satan. At, Satan is trying to give the attributes to God that Satan himself has. This is from Desire of Ages. With his own evil characteristics, Satan, he sought to invest the loving creator. Thus he deceived the angels, thus he deceived men. He led them to doubt the word of God and to distrust his goodness. Because God is a God of justice and majesty, Satan caused men and the angels to look upon him as a severe and unforgiving God. Thus he drew men to join him in the rebellion against God. And the night of woe settled down upon the whole world. Satan caused them to look upon God as severe and what? Unforgiving. We have a problem. We know what that problem is. It's called sin. The question is, what is it about sin that causes problems. Hmm? Separates us from God. Yes, and we know texts that say that. Yes, that's it. It's one of the things separates us from God. Hmm? 
sin is death. What is it about sin that causes death? What is it about sin that causes separation? What is it about it that causes this problem? Selfishness. Selfishness? Now, that's, that's true. All these things. Choices. Choices, yes. Now, but there's one thing I want you to think about. We'll go back to chapter 3. All these things play into it. We do sin because of selfishness. We do all these things are, um, you know, outplayings of selfishness and sin and all these things. But let's go to verse, uh, verse eleven. No, let's see, not verse eleven, verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And Adam and, and Adam and his wife, what'd they do? Hid themselves. Now, in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were what? And they knew they were what? Okay, let me ask you a question. What does this mean, and the eyes of them were open? I mean, literally, were their eyes shut? No. What? What? Their innocence was gone. What? What happens when innocence is gone? What, what comes into your mind once you've done something that you know you've done wrong and you know you're probably going to be in trouble for it? Guilt. What else? Shame. Feeling of condemnation, right? Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. Spank, spank. But, I don't know if you've ever done something that was wrong and your parents, you know, they were going to get you into trouble. Well, I have. And so, you know, I tried to, you know, my, my parents were gone and my sister and I got into trouble. And, you know, what got into trouble? We didn't do stuff that my parents told us we were supposed to do. And so, whoop, the car drives up, and we're like, ah, we don't have, you know, we, don't, we didn't do this, and we didn't do that, oh, we're going to get in so much trouble. And so we were rushing around, rushing around, you know, we got some of it done. Because, you know, we're twins, and we're playing. I mean, who, you know, who cares about what we're supposed to be doing? And my mom comes in, you know, my sister and I, we're, we're, we go off into the bedroom, or, you know, we try to find, we go outside, something, we, we try to hide, because we know that even though we got some of it done, we didn't get all of it done. And so, what do we do? We hide. Not because my mom has changed. Has my mom changed? No, she hasn't changed. Who did the changing? Me, right here. Right here is where it happened. Listen to this. This is in Proverbs 8.36. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Actually, this is talking about wisdom. But the thing is, is that he that sinneth, sinneth against who? God here? What's it say? Sins against his own what? If I'm doing the deed, who's reaping the consequences in my mind? Me. I'm reaping the guilt. 
I'm reaping the condemnation. I'm reaping the shame because I did the what? Does God's view of you change when you sin? Does he love you any less when you sin? He loves you no less. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. He doesn't care what you do. His love, he loved you so much. While we were yet sinners, what did he do? He didn't say, you be good and I'll come and die for you. What? We would be lost. We would have been dead a long time ago. We would, Adam and Eve would have been dead. Every day that we breathe, it's only because God, in his mercy, gives us life. Because the wages of sin is, this is a law. You can't get around it. It's not some arbitrary thing that God says, okay, well, let's see, you sin, you're going to die. No. There is laws that govern this universe, right? Gravity, we all know that. You drop something, it's going to what? Well, there are laws that govern the spiritual universe as well. Why is it that if you sin, you're going to die once again? Is it because God has that attitude towards you? It's obvious he doesn't. So what is it? We chose it. Sin harms who? Ourselves. Why do you think God doesn't want us to sin? Why? He loves us. But there's something other than that. Yes, he wants us to be saved. What's that? He doesn't want to see us suffer. Who doesn't he want us to wrong? Ourselves! He loves us so much, he says, you know, I'm going to give you a clue how you can protect yourself from this problem of sin and death. Because there is a law out there that says, if you sin, you're going to die. But, and I have done this thing, I have died on the cross to give you forgiveness so that you don't have to reap the consequences of what? of sin. So God is not some arbitrary being up there making all these rules and regulations so we can't have fun. Let me ask you a question. Is it good to rest? God gave us the what? Is it good to be honest with your neighbors? God says, don't what? Bear false witness. Is it good to have a cheerful heart? Does he say that just because he wants us to all go around and be? No. Why? Because he wants to protect us from the consequences of sin. Now, let me ask you another question. We know the wages of sin are what? So, have we all sinned? So, since the wages of sin are death, and we've all sinned, 
what is the answer to our problem? What's that? Repent. Now, why do we need to repent? Say what? To be forgiven. To be forgiven. Well, what do we need to be forgiven of? So God says, if if you ask to if you ask me to forgive you, I'll forgive you, and you get saved. But if you don't ask me to forgive you, then I'm going to kill you. So, how does the sin kill us? Let's go to Matthew 2746, sorry. 2746. Okay, let's read here. Whoops. Hang on. Would be helpful if I got in the right chapter. All right. Let's see here what Jesus has to say. This is his crucifixion. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthia. That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then what happened? In Jesus, in verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, then what happened to him? What killed him? Broken heart. But what killed him? Say that again. The sins of the world. If you had the sins of the world on you, how would your conscience feel and perceive things at that very moment? If you had all the sins of the world on you and you couldn't ask for forgiveness for them, what would the weight of that sin do to you? What would the weight of it do to you? It would absolutely crush you. Have you ever done something so kind of crummy that you were in such fear that you felt sick. You felt sick to your stomach, and maybe you even threw up. I mean, maybe you have had that experience where the weight of the situation, the guilt, the regret, the pain, this, you know, everything has come to your mind And you're just like, if there was no God, I would be dead right now in this very minute. Have you ever felt that? I have. And I was thankful to God for his forgiveness. 
Because what does that forgiveness do? What does it really do? And do we believe that it really does it? I mean, really, do we believe? When I, when, a, when I hear people say, you know, I sure hope God forgives me of that, I just, oh, I feel so sorry for them. They are believing a lie of the devil. Because God says, I have forgiveness and give it to you how much? Abundantly. Abundantly. He's not just, okay, I'll give some to you. And is this for just, you know, the few of us sitting here? No, it's for how many people? But God, God wants all of us, but the devil wants all of us too, as the brother said. And so the devil, he perpetrates these lies about God's character. And he says, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are so bad. God can't forgive you of that thing. And then we can't forgive ourselves. And as it says in, in Hebrews this morning, it says, out of fear, they're in bondage. When we don't take God at his word, what kind of lives do we live? I don't care what we say with our mouths. The scripture says you can say everything with your mouth. Their lips talk about me and they praise me, but their hearts are what? Where are our hearts? As you say, brother, who has our hearts? Do we, when the devil comes to us, do we take the scriptures when God says, I forgive you, I am ready to forgive you. I want to forgive you. But there is something that we have to do. I have a little boxes up here. As you can see, they're wrapped like a gift. God gives us a gift of forgiveness, right? Right now, I'm ready to give to... I'm offering to everybody in this congregation what's in those boxes. I'm ready to give it to you right now. Now, who would like what's in that box? If you want what's in that box, raise your hand, and the, the ushers will come around, and you can have one of what's in that box. Okay, so you have to raise your hands. So the, de so the ushers, can, so ushers, if you can come up. You have to open those up, though. Yeah. Okay, so if you want one of what's in this box, raise your hand, and the usher will come and give it to you. Or you can take one. I'm positive. Absolutely positive. It's a free gift to you. It's a free gift to you. No strings attached. Just one. Just one. <laughs> it's only good for you. I'm sorry. Forgiveness is only good for the person who has chosen it. So has everybody who wanted a gift for no cost, nothing to you, have you raised your hand? 
You have to have your hand raised. You can't just reach in the box. You have to raise your hand to, to get it. Yes, you have to ask God. I'm not God. I'm not trying to pretend to be God. I'm just, this is an illustration. Amen. An illustration. You can come up now. She didn't raise her hand. Oh, no, she didn't raise her hand. Sorry, Linda. <laughs> Did you raise your hand before? Did you get one? Oh. The brother back there, the brother back there needs one. Jaden. Jaden, did Jaden get one? He has his hand raised. No, I don't know who didn't raise their hand, or if anybody, if you know, there was any of you who didn't raise your hand. But do you get the illustration? We are floating in God's forgiveness. We are floating in his love. He says, I am ready to give you forgiveness. Now, is he ready to forgive, ready to forgive us, just waiting for us to say, oh, dear God, please, you know, I've done this. That I, is that how he means he's ready? No. What do we have to do? We have to ask, but why do we have to ask? Because there's a problem up here. There is a problem up here. It says here that I acknowledge my what? My need. My sin. If we don't acknowledge, I mean, not many of you probably needed one dollar. It can't do much. But, hey, one dollar is better than nothing. But we need to acknowledge that we have this problem and the sin that goes that this is very interesting this is from first selected message 235 listen to what sin does in us this is crazy we are not to regard god as waiting to punish the sinner for his sins the sinner brings the punishment upon himself. His own actions start a train, a train of circumstances that bring sure results. If you smoke, you, unless you have some crazy genes, if you smoke, what's the sure train of results of smoking? Because your mom is going to spank you? No. Why? Because God's going to kill you? No. Because the train of the results of what you're doing is going to bring what? And death. The train of what sin brings with it is disease and what? And God says, I want to save you from it. Praise God he wants to save us from it. But when are we going to believe that he really does? Oh, you know, I love my mother very much. And I, she's one of those persons that I just ache for. 
She says, well, I'm hope I'm good enough to get into heaven. It has nothing to do with you and I being good enough to get into heaven. It has to do with us believing that when God says he has forgiven us, he's what? And we can stand before him with a clean what? Conscience, not accusing us. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We have to accept that gift of forgiveness and believe it. It's not just as, you know, we've said, it's not just mental assent to knowledge. The devil believes and trembles. He has a mental knowledge of everything more than you and I could ever think of. But does he apply it to his life through the blood of Jesus? No. Who do we believe? Who do we believe when it comes right down to it? Sometimes we see God as this mean guy who's just up there, you know, and, you know, if you don't do what's right, you're going to be outside and burn up in hell, and those other people who did good, they're going to be okay with me. No. What causes our ruin? Our own choices. Praise God, he has given us This is a pretty good-sized book. And in this book is life. Praise God. He loves us. Why do you think we need to study this book? Just because? So we can be good? Because Jesus Christ and God the Father are revealed in this book. And it is knowing who they are. It's knowing they love me. Oops, sorry. <laughs> it's knowing they love me. Knowing God loves you that makes it possible for us to go out and say to your neighbor, brother, do you know how much God loves you? I mean, oh, you have no idea how much he loves you. You know what? He wants to clean your brain from all that junk. And then you can be free and, man, when you breathe the air, uh, and when you go to sleep, and, and then when he comes, guess what? You're not going to be afraid because you've got a clean conscience and all those other people who believe those lies, their consciences are so messed up that just the weight of it does them in. It's not God's being cruel. It's the weight of the consequences of sin. And whether you believe it or not, it happens every day. And if you don't believe in gravity, I don't care if you believe in gravity or not. It affects you. I don't care. The law of sin and death affects you. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to affect you. It affects every last one of us. It's going to affect my neighbor whether they know about it or not. It's our privilege to know God so that we can reveal him to the world. I have so far to go myself. I have had all these dark pictures of God for so, so long. Oh, 
My goodness, you can't even imagine the dark pictures I've had of God that I have believed. Oh, it just, yeah. Praise God for his forgiveness or it might crush me. Right here as I'm standing. Okay, I am going to be done shortly. Two minutes. I'm going to end with It's in Hebrews 10:22. I'm not going to end with this, but this is the one right before I'm going to end. <clears throat> if you're wondering about the concept of your conscience, Hebrews 10:22, "Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith." How much? Full assurance. Full. Having hearts sprinkled from a what? An evil conscience. Full assurance of faith that God forgives us. We cannot do anything that he will not forgive. And like the woman caught in adultery. He says, go and sin no more. Not because I'm going to kill you, but because what you're doing is going to kill you. And I love you. And I don't want you to die. I made you for me. Me, I made you. Love, joy, peace, happiness, content. The devil took it all. And God says, I just want you to enjoy those things things. Even on this earth, if we follow his will on this earth, will we have the train of results from following righteousness? Yes. Praise God that he loves us so much. Praise God that he doesn't give up on me. I don't know about you, but man, I am a hard-headed person sometimes. 1 John 5, 11. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. Who gave it to us? God. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This is a testimony God has what? Given. Given. He's not, gonna, he's not going to give it to you. He's given to it right now. Are we going to choose to keep living with him here and for eternity? This is, we don't have to stop. That's why he says, you're asleep. It's just a little break. It's just a little break if we die physically in this life. Because if we've chosen him, we have, I mean, everybody right now, well, I'm not going to get into that, but and this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I pray 
you know, this, this little study is by no means complete. And the whole Bible is full of this study, the love of God. And who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe with full assurance that God means what he says? His promises are for you and me. They're for us because he loves us and he doesn't want us to be crushed by the weight of sin in the end. He's so merciful. But you know what? Unless we get to know him, we will be with those people who have fear. Because the Spirit of God casts out fear. But without God, we will have fear because we will have not accepted forgiveness and the cleansing of the conscience. So I pray that each day we will ask God to help us, to forgive us of our unbelief, and ask him to help us put aside some of the cares that we have in this world and spend time with him so that we can learn who he is. And then we will love naturally because he loves us so much. Our closing song will be Nearer, My Lord, to Thee.